We are so glad that you have joined us. Welcome to everyone that's joining us across the triad at all of our locations and everybody is joining us online. We are glad that you have taken out some time to be with us. We know that there are all kinds of different things that you could have done with your time today. Thank you for spending some of it with us and we think you'll be glad that you did. We are excited and I'm super excited about this. We've been planning this series along. Of course, we plan all of our series a very long time, but I, and I get excited about all of them. I think every one of them is the next greatest one we've ever done. But I'm especially excited about this series called OMG. OMG. Oh my God. Why do a series called that? Oh, this is going to get interesting. And I am so glad that we have the ability to drill into some things that you and I desperately need to wrestle with in this series called OMG. It's a series about our view of God and how we need to be very honest about how we view God, about how we use and what we attach to his name. And I want to begin by making a very confrontational statement. Very confrontational, okay? And this is going to get all up in your business. I know, I know, but just hang with me. Trust me, we'll be friends when it's all over. Here we go. Many people believe in a God that doesn't exist. You say, well, that doesn't seem all that controversial. Well, because you think I'm talking about somebody else. I'm probably talking about you, at least in some way. You see, this is not a series about another religion in some distant way off land. No, I'm talking about people in Christianity. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to us, to you, to me. We believe in a God that doesn't exist. Now, I know what you're thinking, some of you. No, no, see, that's where you're wrong, because I believe in God. I believe God exists. Okay, no, 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 you're not with me yet. Just hang with me. Even though you may believe God exists, I'm talking about the idea of God that we have, or maybe the version of God that we have that's inaccurate, or at best, incomplete. Even though you may believe that God exists, that he's there, it could be that you have an idea, an assumption, a version of an understanding of God in your mind that's incorrect, incomplete, and that's a problem. Let me, let me illustrate for you why that is such a problem because your view of God and my view of God affects everything. What we think, what we do, and who we become. Your idea, version, assumptions about God 
is like a filter and everything runs through that filter. Everything you think in life, everything you do in life and everything you become in life is affected by what you think about God. And that is true if you're a Christian and that is true if you're an atheist. See, if you don't even believe that God exists, that affects your thinking. It affects everything you think, everything you do, how you process life and who you become. So this is true for Christians, even the most devout Christian, this is true. And this is true for the most hardened atheist and everybody in between. This is why we gotta get this right because how you think about God and how you view God affects everything. And you can hear it, you can see it. Just listen to people talk about God. Often God's name is an expression and it's often a good thing and it's often a bad thing. Oh my God, is only said by some people when they're surprised, when they're frustrated, when they're angry. Oh my God, is said by people often when they are prayerful, longing, yearning for God's help. So it's, it's just used and you can tell a lot about what someone thinks about God by listening to how they talk about God. For some people, God is a fairy tale. You can hear it in their language. For other people, it's just a casual thing, you know? You don't talk about it at work, you don't talk about it at the table with family, at the holidays, but I believe in God and I just kind of keep it on the down low. It's kind of a casual thing. I don't get really too serious about it. For other people, it's a very serious thing. For many of you, it's a very serious thing. In fact, it carries deep meaning. For some people, the topic of God and God's name is just a question. A side note, maybe. And yet for others, his name and the idea and view that you have of God is the driving force of who you are. You listen to people talk about God and you will often hear different context. Often you will hear God's name used in the context of blame. Why did God do this? Why didn't God do that? This is God's fault. God didn't stop this. God could have and he didn't, so on and so forth. A lot of times it's in a context of fear and it affects everything they think, everything they do and everything they're gonna become. They're afraid of God. They think God is out to get them. Or maybe it's out of doubt. Or maybe it's anger, maybe you're angry at God, you're ticked at God. And that affects everything you think and everything you do and everything you're gonna become. You don't deal with that. At the same time, we've got people who speak of God with peace and joy and love and trust and hope. And if that's you, it affects everything you think, everything you do and everything you become. You see why this is so important? You can tell how people think about God by listening to them. And so I, I'm gonna ask you for the next few moments to hang with me because I need to take you on a journey. In, in a few minutes, eventually we'll get back to you and we'll get back to me about where you live and where I live and how we think and how we do our lives. We're gonna get there, but I've gotta lay some groundwork, kind of lay a foundation to build on, not just for today, but for the rest of this series in the next four weeks because it, it troubles me that a lot of us have a idea and assumption, a version of God that doesn't really exist and it's affecting everything we think, 
do and become. And it's my prayer and my goal that we get this cleared up and we get a clear version, a clear view, a clear understanding of God to the best of our ability. So let me start with this. God's most defining characteristic, more than his love, more than his goodness, is the fact that God is a holy God. His most defining characteristic, his most defining clear attribute, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you just, just a casual reading of the scriptures, you may not understand what the word holy means or what the holiness of God is all about. Okay, but even a casual reading of the scriptures, but this holy thing is a big deal. God is holy. More than him being a God of love, a God of goodness, a God of peace, he is a holy God. Near the end of the first century, Jesus is, one of Jesus' closest followers, John, the apostle, the youngest of the 12 disciples, when he was old, like in his 90s, towards the end of the first century, God gave him the opportunity to get a glimpse into heaven. And I don't mean one of those kinds of things that you hear about, you know, people say, I saw a great light and it was like, and it was right after the tornado, you know, no, 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 not, not that. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. And this is real. I'm sorry. I just offended somebody's cousin. I'm sorry. It's okay, man. Loosen up. I'm talking about a real view into heaven and, and God told him to write it down. In fact, that's why we have the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, the last book that you have in your English Bible, Revelation. It's what John saw that God said, I want you to look at this and I want you to write down what you see. Now, there's a lot in Revelation. We're not quite sure. We're not quite sure what John was looking at, but, but we got this. We got this clear, okay? John said he saw the throne of God and around the throne of God were angels. And, and check this out. This is what the angels were doing. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, all day long, holy, 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 all night long, holy, holy, holy. If you and I were to get to see right now what John saw back then, you know what we would see? Angels saying, holy, 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 holy. So it's a big deal. This holiness of God, it's a very big deal. So we had asked the question, what does the word holy mean? The word holy has been said to mean set apart from anything and anyone. And my favorite definition, totally other. Totally other than anything you've ever seen and anything I've ever seen and anyone you've ever met and anyone I've ever met or anyone you've ever heard of. 
God is holy in that he is completely set apart and totally other than anything and anyone. In essence, God is in a category all by himself. God is holy. It's interesting when it comes to this word. It's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around it. We'll talk about why here in a few minutes, but it basically tells us God is, God is like untouchable. Not unknowable, but God is like untouchable. It, it, there's a mystery surrounding God. And if you don't admit that, you'll never get to a proper understanding of who he is. There is a mystery surrounding God. That's precisely one of the reasons why Jesus left heaven and came to earth is to connect the dots between a fallen, sinful humankind and a holy, righteous, perfect God. That's why Jesus had to come, to connect the dots, because God is untouchable. And Jesus made God knowable. Jesus makes God close. That's why Jesus came. But even then, we talk about the holiness of God, and we have questions. It's hard to understand, because God is in a category all by himself. It's exactly what God told Isaiah the prophet, when God told Isaiah, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know what God told Isaiah? He says, Isaiah, there's a gap between what I know and what you know. There's a gap between the way I do things and the way you do things. There's a gap between the way I do my, my thinking and, and, and your thinking. There's a gap. And there's always going to be a gap because he's a holy God and we are not. In fact, let me say this. I'm a, I'm a figure it out kind of guy. But even I would say, I don't think I would want to worship a God any other way. I don't think we would want God to be anything else than other than beyond us. Who would want to worship a God that we could completely figure out? And I know sometimes you would like to know, and sometimes I would like to know, and we would like to have things explained to us and be able to figure it all out ourselves. But truly, bottom line is, wouldn't you deep down expect the God of the universe to be a little bit above you and I, or a whole lot above you and I, in a category all by himself? I mean, you could argue if you could figure out God and I could figure out God, and we completely understood God, then we would be God. Well, some of you may think you were. <laughs> yeah, I got this figured out. Okay, well, we'll worship you. No, I don't think so. God told Isaiah, this is just the way it is. Hang with me, I'm going somewhere. God is holy. Did you know that the first two of the Ten Commandments were all about God's holiness? You know, the Ten Commandments, I'm sure you've heard about them. And maybe some of you haven't memorized. Hey, let's say them together. One. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, no, I, don't, I don't have memorized either. Not like that. Even if you're not a church going kind of person, you've heard of the Ten Commandments. And, and you probably would recognize um, a Ten Commandment if you heard it. You know, and especially if it's in one of the older English versions, it sounds a little like thou shalt not, you know, dot, 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 dot. You're not, you're not quite sure who thou is and what a shout is, but you understand the not, right? Not that, not that, not that. Not. Oh, yeah, we're, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. God's top ten. God's top ten. God's, God's biggies, okay? Did you know that the first two of the Ten Commandments 
have everything to do with God's holiness? Let me show you. First commandment. You must not have any other God but me. Second commandment. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. You know what this is about? This is about the fact that God says, I am set apart. I am totally other. I'm in a category all by myself. And I should be worshiped as such, which means, number one, don't worship any other God but me. And when you are totally other, set apart, you can say that. Commandment number two. And, and let me get more specific, guys. Don't make an image of anything that you find on earth or anything in the heavens or anything that's in the sea. Don't make an image and, and attribute my qualities to an image and, and start bowing down and worshiping an image. Don't do it. You know why God asks us not to do that? He wants us to understand he's holy. Let me explain. As human beings, we're very tangible people, right? We, we gravitate towards what we can see and what we can touch. I want to be able to see it with my own eyes. You know, we say things like that, you know? I want to put my hands on it. I want to be able to feel it. I want to be able to know it. You know, see and touch, touch and see, see and touch. That's just the way God made us. And it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing thing. We're tangible. But you can't see God and you can't touch God. Uh-oh. I like to be able to see things and touch things, but I can't see God. I can't touch God. What do I do with that? You see, and God knew me and God knew you and he knew humanity and he knew that we would be tempted to make for ourselves a lesser version of God that we could see and touch just so we could have something to see and touch. We would settle for a lesser version of an almighty God just so that we could have something that we could see, point to and touch and bow down in front of. That's why God says, I know you people. I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to be tempted to do. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't make an image. Don't make an idol. Any image, any idol is a lesser view of God. And if we had time, I'd like to unpack this for you sometime. But it's very clear in the scriptures. And an example of this is in Romans chapter 1. Anytime you find a group of people falling into moral decay and moral decline, do you know how it begins? They begin by substituting a lesser view of God for the real deal. And anytime we have a lesser view of God, we have a higher view of ourselves, and that's a problem. A lesser view of God. God says, no, 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 no. I want you to know who I am. And to know who God is that we can't see and we can't touch, here's the challenge, requires this thing called faith. <laughs> Trust. Oh, I'd rather see something. I'd rather touch something. Right? So that's what, God, that's what God knew to be true about me and you. And the reason God said that is because God is holy. Now, I know uh, what some of you are thinking, and I get it. I know why you're thinking it, because I think the same thing. I would never do that. I don't have a problem with that. And I don't even know why I'm here. I don't worship idols. I don't worship idols. I mean, well, well, 
I don't bow down to an image. I'm here to worship God. Well, maybe not outright you don't, but in another way, hang with me, buckle up. We're getting ready to be friends. You do. I do. We do. Let me draw your attention to two words. Let's talk about this word, idol. Idol. I would never do that. Well, let me define for you what an idol is. Real quickly, you don't have a lot of time to spend on it. And in fact, the day is going to come in the not so distant future, we will do an entire series on this one thing, this one idea, how we have idols in our life. Because see, an idol is anything that takes the place of God. You have a holy, totally other, set apart in a category all by himself, God. And anything you put in his place is an idol. It's a distraction. It's a lesser view of him. Anything, let me be specific, that captures your primary attention in life, anything that guides your decisions and dominates your thinking, whatever it is in your life does those three things, has your primary attention and your focus, guides the decisions you make, and dominates your thinking. What are you thinking about when you go to bed at night? What are you thinking about when you first get up in the morning? What are you thinking about when you're daydreaming? Whatever does those three things, you've just identified something. You worship something that is an idol if it's not God, the holy God himself. Which means there are people in this room and there are people watching right now online who have money as a God, a lesser God, an idol because... Has your primary attention, guides all your decisions, dominates your thinking. For some people, it's their job. For other people, it's crazy, but it's themselves. You know, for some people, it's another person. For some parents, it's their kids. Do you know your kids can be an idol? Whew. Your spouse, a person you're dating. Again, we'll talk about this at another time, aren't we glad? But an idol is anything we put in the place of God. But one more word, one more word. And actually for our purposes, a bigger deal. In this series is the word image. And again, I'm with you. Well, I would never make an image. I would never do that. Now, I know there's some people in the world that do that and they make an image. And I'm not judging and I'm not saying they're wrong. To each his own. Let's be tolerant. But I wouldn't do that because I know it's against one of the Ten Commandments. We've already talked about it. I wouldn't do that. Well, you may not make an image, but you certainly have an image in your mind, an idea an assumption about who God is, about what he's like, about what he does and why he does it, about what he doesn't do and why he doesn't do it. You have an image in your mind, an idea, an assumption about God that leads to an expectation of God. And that leads to a lesser view of God that doesn't really exist. Image. Or let me put it to you like this. We like to understand things, 
right? I, I love to understand things. And I like to be able to explain things. This is the way God made me. That's just the way God made you. It's the way God made all of us together is to be able to, I want to understand and I want to be able to explain. I want to be able to understand this that I don't understand so I can explain it. When we come to God, that creates a challenge. I want to be able to understand God so I can explain God. I want to be able to understand. Don't you want to be able to understand so you can explain, so I can understand, so I can explain, so we can all understand and explain to each other and explain to other people? But here's the deal with my understanding and your understanding. It's limited because I'm a human being. I can only understand so much. And God is perfect, almighty, holy, in a category all by himself. And here I am trying to do my best to understand a holy God. Nothing wrong with trying, but I need to understand it's limited. And you know what, you know what the deal is with our explanations? Our explanations are also limited. It's limited to the terminology that you and I have. So the best we got is our language. And for most of us, it's the English language. The best we got to try to understand and explain in terminology, which means we're putting God into our own terms, which means we're using ourselves and each other as a point of reference for who the holy God is and what he's like. Now it's gonna get personal. Imagine holy God and we are trying to understand him and explain him using ourselves and each other as a point of reference, which creates an image that you and I have of God doesn't really reflect who he truly is. We look with ourselves and say, well, I can't imagine that God would do this it's because I don't like this, so I'm sure God doesn't like this. I think this is wrong, so I'm sure God thinks this is wrong. I don't think that's right, so I'm sure God doesn't think that's right. You know what, this is what I like. This is what I think God's like. This is the way I think we ought to vote, so I'm sure this is how God would vote. This is how I'd like to do things, so I'm sure, since I'm made in the image of God, that this is exactly how God would do things. Because I've prayed about it. And so I think my feelings are God's feelings and God's feelings are my feelings. Really? Are you sure about that? Or we look at other people. Well, that must be what God is like. They call themselves a Christian. And I see how they live, and I see what they do, and I see how they live, and I see what they don't do. So that must be who God is like. Uh-oh. And see, we take ourselves and each other as a point of reference in our experiences, what we've experienced. Do you know in our lives, how we've experienced authority in our lives up till this point has everything to do with how you view God. Do not, I'm getting ready to get psychological on you, which is dangerous because I'm not a psychologist. But I, but I do know this, how you view your parents has a heck of a lot to do with how you view God. Now, you know your mama ain't God even though she wants you to think she was. Okay? And, and you know your daddy's not God, even though he wanted to put the fear of God in you when you looked at him, okay? But I'm telling you, me included, all of us project certain things on God based upon how we've experienced authority through our parents, which means we often have an image of you of God that is inaccurate or at best incomplete. And it affects, here's why that's so important. It affects everything you think. 
And everything you do and everything you're trying to become, it's all run through that filter. So we got to get that clear. Authority in your life. Maybe your third grade teacher, your peers, as you were growing up, the opinion of your peers have influenced what you think of God. I mean, you thought this, but then everybody else says, no, that's stupid. So you're going, well, maybe not. Maybe they're right. You see, guys, we end up with such a messed up view of God. It's often the opposite. Because see, he's in a category all by himself. He's holy. And so my prayer for you that in the next four weeks, as we talk through these versions and ideas and assumptions of God, is that you will get a clearer, clearer, clearer view of who God truly is, knowing it's going to be limited because all you have is your brain and your terminology and your terms and my terms. So my prayer is that God will help us do the best we can at understanding, but being aware of how we've projected incorrect things on him. Let me give you an example. In this series, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the nice guy God. There's a lot of you sitting here that just assume God is like the nice guy. God always does what the nice guy does. Whatever the nice guy would do, that's what God should do. God is like this big, huge, ultimate nice guy. Now, you may not use that term, but that's what you think, and this is how you know you're thinking that. We'll talk about this next week. If you find yourself saying, okay, God is good, and God is loving all the time. So how could a good and loving God let that happen? Because isn't God supposed to be nice? Good and loving. How could a good and loving God let that happen to me? Let that happen to them? Why didn't a good and loving God stop that to them and stop that for me? Why wouldn't a good and loving God do that for me or do that for them? If you have those kinds of questions, if you're asking that question or wrestling with that question, it could be that you've substituted a holy God for a nice guy version of God. And that's a lesser view. And it's going to affect everything you think, everything you do, and who you become. We're going to talk about the let's make a deal God. If you see God in this light, and you may have never used those terms before, but now you will, you think God's kind of moody. I mean, you're not in a disrespectful way, but like, okay, but he's willing to cut a deal with you. You get, get on his good side, stay on his good side. Don't get on his bad side. And if you do a certain thing, he'll do a certain thing. And if you want him to do a certain thing, then you got to do a certain thing. And if you don't do it just right, oh, too bad, so sad. But he's willing, he's willing to make a deal with you. Really? You see, here's the dangerous thing. Each of these things have an element to, of truth to them, but lead to an incorrect conclusion about who God truly is. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the on-demand God. We live in an on-demand society, don't we? Everything right now, right now, right now. And some of you think God is like that, and you hear it when people say things, God is always there. He's always there. He's always there when I need him. He's ready. Whenever I call, God is right there. But if I don't, he's, he's okay to hang until, I'm, until I need him. If God needs him, he's there. If I need God, he's there. But if I got other things going on, he's okay to play by himself. He just, he's over there just waiting on me. He's just waiting on me. Whatever I need, whatever I want, whenever I need it, whenever I want it, God will come through for me. I just know it. See, there's an element of truth there, but it'll lead you to an incorrect conclusion. See, the dangerous thing about all these things is that God is in a category by himself. And when we try to put him in these kind of terms, it's lesser view. 
And then we're going to finish by offending everybody. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the one size fits all God. One size fits all. This thinking says God is anything you want him to be. However you want to explain him is okay. However you want to understand him is okay. Whatever you want to call him, that's okay. He's cool with it. See, nothing could be further from the truth. You see, guys, we got to be very careful how we choose to view God because it affects everything you think and everything you do and everything you become. And that's a big deal. So we're gonna wrestle with this stuff to get a clearer understanding. And until we get to these details in the next four weeks, my challenge to you is just to become more aware of the categories that you've pressed onto God. And ask yourself, when you say, whatever you say about God. Why are you saying that? What's really behind that? What's your assumption? What, are you, what do you really think about God? And why do you think that? What do you think's behind the assumptions you have about who God is and what he does? Start noticing. So in the next few weeks, we can bring those assumptions to who God really is. And listen, yes, we do have a limited understanding and, and we won't know everything about God. We shouldn't expect to know everything about God because he said, I'm up here, you're down here, there's a gap. But I'll tell you this, we know enough to know he's greater than we know. We know enough to know he's better than we know. We know enough to know that what we do know will blow our minds with what we don't know. Because he's that big and he's that great. But we'll start with this. He's holy. He's set apart. Totally other than anything you've ever seen, heard, or understand. In a category. All by himself. And he asked to be worshipped as that. The holy God above and beyond all. And if we will start there, that's a great place to start. To be able to understand who he is and what he wants from us and how he wants to be at work in our lives. So over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about what we know. Because it's so vitally important that we don't end up with a version, an idea, an assumption of God that really doesn't exist after all. May God help us and help me to start with a clear, clear understanding. And I mean for every Christian and every non-Christian and everybody in between, may that be what we experience in the next few weeks. Let me pray for you and pray for us together. Father, it is absolutely clear without any doubt that you are holy, set apart, totally other than anything we've ever seen, anything we've ever known, anyone we've ever been close to. You are holy. And I don't fully understand that because all I have is a limited brain. But to the best of my ability, help me get a clear picture of what that's about, that category all by itself. And may I respond accordingly and be very careful what I project on you. Help us to be very careful what we project on you. Help us to be very careful not to assume things that are not right or attach ourselves to ideas that are not 
correct because it's going to affect everything we think and do and become. And this life is way too important and way too short to allow ourselves to be led down the wrong path based upon lesser views of you. So help me help us to be honest about how we see you. And may we see you clearer than ever. In Jesus' name, amen.